they've charged at such a level that only the premium multifamily can afford it. So you're talking about five, 6% of the rental inventory is present on those sites. So that means, you know, rough, rough numbers across all of it. You're talking about 19 out of 20 rentals is not available on any one of those sites. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli, and on this podcast, I chat with multifamily and prop tech experts to learn how you can reach more renters, sign more leases, and maximize the value of your assets. And today, I have Jonas Bordeaux, the CEO and co-founder of Dwellsy, and former Group Vice President Operational Services at Essex Property Trust, and Senior Vice President Corporate Resources at Bentel Kennedy, now Bentel Greenoak. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jonas. That was quite a mouthful. (laughs) Great to have you on the show and chat about your experience working in multifamily and what Dwellsy is doing in the rental listing space. So, I mean, first, I'd love to talk about your career and rental housing. How did you get started in multifamily? What led you to this industry and what makes you so passionate about it? Well, first, Nicolina, thanks so much for having me here. I really appreciate having the chance to join the show. You know, I've been in and around this space for a bunch of years, more than 20 years now, which is a little shocking to me, <laughs> but there it is it in and around quickly. the real estate space. I know time flies, doesn't it? And, you know, one of the things I've worked in a variety of different areas of real estate, everything from, you know, thinking about how to run a real estate private equity group to, you know, operating across multi-platform, you know, multi-asset class platform like Bentel Kennedy, now Bentel Green Oak. And, you know, the reason I gravitated towards multifamily and housing overall is that it's just so relevant to all of us and it's so immediate. You know, we all need a place to live, you know, and it really is an operating business in a way that other asset classes aren't. And, you know, lots of people are driven by lots of different things. I love the opportunity to really make people's homes amazing and, you know, help landlords be great landlords, help renters find great homes. And when I spotted the opportunity for Dwellsy, I really didn't feel like I had a choice. I just had to go after it and create this market and you know make this broken market work. Right. So perfect. And if you could, my next question is really talking about your experience in the industry prior to Dwellsy. If you could go back and give yourself any advice working at Essex Property Trust or Bentel Kennedy, Bentel Green Oak, what would you say? Many of our listeners are working as marketers, property managers at similar firms. So maybe they can kind of gain some wisdom from your past experiences. <laughs> you know, wisdom is an awfully intimidating concept that you know, I hope, uh, <laughs> hope I can share a little bit perhaps. You know, I think there's a lot of different aspects of the day-to-day job that, you know, everybody's got their challenges that they've got to face and, you know, marketing units and, you know, thinking about the best way to bring their units to market and the best way to get units filled as quickly and efficiently as possible and to, you know, meet the market. I was just talking to a reporter earlier who, you know, was mystified by the concept that, you know, landlords are kind of market takers in terms of price. But that is the challenge. You know, how do you get your units out there and, and get the best version of the market rent at that time? And how do you get that slight premium that might be available because you're making the renter realize that you're going to be a great landlord 
And how do you communicate that to them in the most effective possible way? And then just make it really easy for them to sign the deal. You know, from a slightly different perspective, one of my passions is helping coach people through their careers. And, you know, one of the things that I've always advised people as they've progressed through their careers in multifamily is just, I've always taken the jobs that scared me the most and the biggest challenges out there. And whenever an inflection point has come along where there's a, an opportunity that's come up where I'm like, wow, I have literally no idea how I'm going to do that job. You know, that's the one. Take that job. <laughs> so. so what that feeling of imposter syndrome is actually not a bad feeling overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a sign that you're in the right place and that you're really going to learn and grow and that you're really challenging yourself. If you're comfortable, if you're relaxed in your job. And, you know, it's nice to have that feeling every once in a while. You know, I remember uh, having that feeling from time to time. But, you know, the more you can challenge yourself, the more you're going to grow, the more you're going to get more opportunities, and the more you're going to see your career expand. Right. Because I think there is, there, right now, it seems like there is a lot of turnover happening, especially with marketers, I would say, in that space. So, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of new people, and a little uncomfortable to start. But I mean, we have webinars too to help marketers and property managers kind of weave through all the nuances of the industry. And like you said, you know, don't fear kind of that uncomfortable feeling. It will help you grow and and learn and make you a better marketer, make you a better property manager. So 100%. 100%. Now, what motivated you to create your own rental listing site? I mean, it's <laughs> that seems like a massive undertaking. What made you want to do something like that? To paraphrase most of the people I know, it's because I'm nuts, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Okay. No, okay. But I mean, I might call you that too before you answer this question, but yeah. Over the course of a couple of years, I saw a few things happening, right? I was at Essex and I was running eight or nine different groups when I was there. I was responsible for all of the functions that really made the front office experience productive or unproductive. You know, if we did our jobs, you know, the renters and the residents, the prospective renters and uh, prospective residents and residents had a great experience and our team had a great experience in the front end. If we didn't do our job, they had a terrible experience. So that was kind of all the different groups, so including marketing and other functions. And so I had a front row seat to see a few things happen. One of them was the collapse of Craigslist. Um, we were getting, in many cases, 50% or more of our lead volume from Craigslist. And it was good, high-quality lead volume. We were putting tremendous resources behind it. It was free, in theory, but we were putting tremendous resources behind Craigslist. And it had been, for a long time, our highest-value lead source. And we saw that go to almost zero. And it took us a long time to figure out what was happening there. But it ceased to become a useful lead source for us. And trying to figure out other sources, it was incredibly difficult. And frankly, it just cost us a ton of money in that transition because finding other sources, and there were other sources, but trying to figure out how to use Google, trying to figure out SEO, SEM, you know, those strategies, you know, watching the listing services out there double, triple prices and feeling that pain, which was, which was real pain. And at the same time, you know, talking to renters, I'd go spend a day every month at one of our communities and talk to, you know, go on tours with prospective residents and talk to our team and, you know, see what the experience was like and, and hearing from the renters in that situation and hearing their pain and hearing person after person after person tell me, man, when I did my last search two years ago, three years ago, it was so much easier. It's gotten so much harder and realizing that the search had kind of moved offline as a result of the, you know, not to put, <laughs> might be an aggressive term, but the death of Craigslist had caused people to have to go out and walk the streets and look for yard signs again. 
And that was what happened for the search for most renters. And then the pandemic happened. And that wasn't exactly the most convenient time to go looking. Exactly. Yeah. No, and that was a whole other level of complexity. But you know, you think back to 2018 when I was thinking about this, and it it just felt like such a big need that you have this market that affects 120 million Americans each and every year between renters and landlords. And it's such a big problem. Back to you know things that scare you. It seemed like this massive market that impacted so many people that was failing and hurting so many people in the process. And it seemed like a huge opportunity and a, and a huge opportunity to fix. And if we were to do that, so many people's lives would be better. And so here we are trying to fix it. Now, before I move on to the rest of my questions, can I ask, because we're in Canada and Craigslist is not the most popular kind of listing site, but can you explain why Craigslist kind of just lost its momentum where you are and why that kind of happened to the multifamily, you know, the rental listing community per se. But basically, yeah, why did Craigslist start to lose its momentum? Yeah, yeah, I wrote a whole Medium post on this. If anybody wants the long form version of that, I'll, uh, I'll send you that so you can put a link in the show notes. But the basic version is fraud spiraled out of control. Craigslist was an almost perfect incubator for rental fraud. I liken it to prohibition creating the mafia in the US. <laughs> I just started watching Boardwalk Empire. So this <laughs> very relevant comparison. Yeah, 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 very relevant comparison. Yeah, you know, you have a combination of a bunch of factors. You have a large dollar transaction with money changing hands between strangers under duress, not necessarily, you know, negative duress, but there's time pressure. There's the pressure of finding the right place. And you got 30 days to get out of your place and find a new one. You know, everybody's feeling pressure in the situation in, you know, depending on the circumstances, somewhere between 10, 20, 30% of people don't actually get a chance to look at the place before they move in. So you're talking about wiring first and last month's rent, which in some cases is people's entire life savings to a complete stranger. You know, that and the dominant platform insists on anonymity as the driving characteristic. Oof. You know, and then you have the rise of new payment systems like Venmo and Zelle in the US, where you have no recourse and those systems become the norm for exchanging money between people. And you have a, a near perfect incubator for fraud and a professional class of fraudsters exploded in the mid 2010s. And that actually wasn't the thing that undid Craigslist. What undid Craigslist was a new form of fraud, which is a variation on, you know, the oldest fraud in the world, which is the, you know, I've got this, you know, huge pile of cash. And if you give me a thousand bucks, I'll unlock it and send it to you. Right. And what started happening to the small mom and pop landlord was that they would get contacted by a renter who said, you know, I'll pay you an extra hundred bucks a month and I'll pay the whole thing up front. I just need you to cover my moving costs. And, you know, it sounds like who could possibly get taken in by that. But I talked to a landlord a couple of weeks ago who did. And she, you know, she's so embarrassed by this, but she had a capital need. She had put a new roof on her property. She was in a really tight spot and it seemed like mana from heaven. And she got taken by this and humiliating. For her because she, you know, here's a sophisticated individual who just got caught in a bad spot and this seemed like it was going to save her bacon and it didn't. Instead, she got taken for a thousand bucks and that forced all the small landlords off Craigslist. And all of a sudden, they lost their market liquidity. And without the small landlords, the big landlords got off there and all of the really exciting inventory is the small landlord stuff. That's the really exciting stuff. <laughs> now, that said, 
Facebook has made some changes and now, (laughs) which makes it a little bit more difficult for people to now with the rinsing product syndicate ads, a large, basically multifamily, it makes it a lot harder for them to get on there. So it's the small landlords that are using it predominantly. I mean, here and there, yes. I mean, I think everyone is, but it's becoming less of a kind of a convenient source. And do you think that there's going to be some problems with potential? I mean, there's a little bit more liability. I mean, a little bit more awareness, a little bit more openness with who maybe you're contacting. But do you think that there's a possibility of that also happening with Facebook? Oh, it's already happening. Yeah, the fraud is through the roof. Yeah, it's like anytime you have an unconstrained marketplace. And look, Facebook's a great organization. They do a lot of things really, really well. But they have a marketplace that is not focused on this space. This is a unique space that has unique characteristics. Fair housing is a huge barrier to entry for anybody. If you're trying to sell shoes and apartments, like, ooh, be careful, right? <laughs> like, right, 100%. So you got to be really careful about that. And, you know, it's a huge challenge for them. And to try to keep the fraudsters out of that space and to maintain a wide open marketplace where you can literally sell anything, that's incredibly challenging. So, you know, I don't think anyone who tries to sell anything in one place is ever going to be successful in a complex technical category like this. I think it requires a category expert in order to be successful. And so I think Facebook is always going to struggle. Obviously, they're an enormous brand and a super smart company. And so many people use them. But they can't do everything in a specialty. Yeah. And we're also seeing, you know, decline in use there. You know, we're not investing materially in there because our audience isn't on Facebook anymore. They're on TikTok. They're on Instagram, you know, which is Facebook property, you know, but they're not on Facebook anymore. So, you know, if the millennial renter, if the, you know, next cohort of renters isn't there, then, you know, it's not going to be a great place to find renters in the future. So, you know, I think Facebook is a force in the market, but I wouldn't rely on them long term. Okay. Awesome. I mean, to circle back and what motivated you to create your own rental listing site, I mean, there was just obviously a great need for something that was specialized and, you know, Craigslist just became uh, like non-existent. That wasn't an option anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, look, if you're a, think about Amazon, right? One of the reasons Amazon is so successful is you can go on there and you can find anything you want. Right. And they have all the things. So it is a incredibly logical first stop. You know, what are the alternatives to LinkedIn? There are no alternatives to LinkedIn. And the reason for that is because everybody's on LinkedIn. There's no rationale to going somewhere else. The renter wants all the inventory in one place. And if you introduce a barrier, the traditional ILSs have targeted large scale multifamily and they've charged at such a level that only the premium multifamily can afford it. So you're talking about 5-6% of the rental inventory is present on those sites. So that means, you know, rough, rough numbers across all of it. You're talking about 19 out of 20 rentals is not available on any one of those sites. And for the renter who's looking for a place and might be considering all 20 of those places, the number of conversations I had, you know, I stood up a contact center when I was at Essex, which is a whole story in and of itself. We could do a podcast on that one. But, but I had a ton of conversations with prospective residents when I was there in that process. And the number of conversations I had with folks who were considering a single family home here and a walk up apartment there, you know, in a two bedroom in one of our big communities simultaneously, you know, that's the reality of the renter 
search is they are considering a wide variety of asset classes and locations. And if you're going to serve that renter, and I'm talking about really serving that renter, not just bringing them the product that you've got, then you need to have all the stuff. And so that's what we're aiming to be is that completely comprehensive marketplace. And so that's what we're building. We want to have every available listing in America. We're well on our way. We've got about 25% today and you know, growing aggressively. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit deeper on that in my next question. But before we do that, I'd like to know your thoughts about the statement, listing sites are antiquated. <laughs> I think that that's a reoccurring trend. We've seen it at events recently. And you know what? In some cases, I think that it's a true statement, but maybe you can expand on how you feel about that and maybe what needs to happen with listing sites so that we don't keep hearing that. Are you looking to connect with more renters in Quebec and fill units fast? When you syndicate your properties with RentSync, you'll have free access to some of the most popular rental listing sites in the province, including Louet.ca and Logique Quebec. Plus, we've upgraded our autoresponder tool so you can instantly translate your emails in French to better engage with all your prospects. If you're currently a RentSync client, your account manager can help you get set up. Or if you're looking for more information, visit rentsync.com forward slash Quebec dash rental dash listings. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, you know, I'd say yes and no on that. I'd say to some degree, absolutely. This industry was formed in the context of Craigslist. So there's a lot of innovation that's happened over the last two decades across other industries that hasn't happened in this space because Craigslist dominated the market and everybody had to evolve in the context of Craigslist. So as a result of that, it was not a fully formed development. So we still kind of have, you know, classifieds on the internet, which is very much a web 1.0 construct. You know, and that is the concept. That said, you know, I've been a client of a lot of these ILSs and they do a good job. They deliver by and large high quality leads and they help a certain type of renter find a certain type of property. And they played that game well and they can be a useful service to the right folks at the right time. So I'm not going to be a critic of them in that way. I think they provide a useful service. I do think it can be done better. And I do think they are not serving the actual renter as they stand. I think they're serving certain landlords, certain property managers quite well. I don't think they're serving any renters comprehensively, but I don't think they're setting out to do that. They're not meaning to serve any renters comprehensively. They're meaning to serve landlords and meeting their need for traffic in order to get their units leased. And they're doing that. They can provide significant lead volume and traffic in order to get the units leased. And that's what the landlords are paying them for and they can do it. And so, yeah, no criticism of that. But it is, you know, it's a, the same construct of 20 years ago. You know, one of my person I'm friendly with in the industry is a guy who founded Rent.net back 25 years ago. And his printed book at that time that he moved online, it's the same darn thing. You know, these folks that have evolved into what these folks are doing, like, it's the same darn thing, right? It's time for something new. I think we're building that at Dwellsy, but, you know. Right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Dwellsy, its competitive offering in online marketplaces. What sets Dwellsy apart? Yeah, you know, we're a true marketplace. So we literally aim to have all of the marketplace offerings available in one place. So we've aimed to reduce friction to zero to allow 
every landlord to list with us. It is genuinely free. No asterisks. It is free to list. It is no charge for leads, no charge for leases. You can't, you know, it's funny. I have all these conversations with people. They're like, well, how do I pay to get first page placement? I'm like, you can't. <laughs> there's no there's no buying first page placement. And why is that? That's because um, we provide pure organic search results to renters. Renters find what they're looking for. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, it's a much better experience for renters. Renters can actually find what they're looking for as opposed to just seeing the lease up down the street every time they search for anything. The other thing is it massively increases lead quality. Lead quality goes through the roof when renters are only looking at the things that they have searched for. So as a result of that, we provide the highest quality leads in the industry at zero cost, which is a pretty good value proposition, I think. Yeah, and we're integrated with all the major property management software players, uh, Yardi, Entrada, et cetera. So, you know, in most cases, it's just clicking a button. There's no contract required. So people, you know, don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to talk to your legal team. You know, if you're a property manager who's got the ability to do that, you can just click the button and list on Dwellsy. If you're a marketing person who's got that responsibility, you can just click the button and list on Dwellsy. Awesome. Now, okay, so my question is obviously, how do you plan to monetize this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's a very different approach, right? So think about premium products for renters and for landlords. So we have our first product available for renters. It's called Dwellsy Edge. It's a bundle of product and services that help renters have a better experience. So one of the things, for example, that renters don't know is the difference between being the first to inquire on a property and being the 10th is generally speaking, the difference between getting the place and not getting the place. And we will send you a text message the moment a place becomes available. Now, it's not really a multifamily problem. You know, multifamily is a very different world. But if you're looking for that single family rental that is in the right school district that will take your pit bull, and that place becomes available, man, you need to know about that the second it becomes available, because if you're the 10th inquiry on that place, you're not getting it. That makes sense. Yeah. So that is one of the characteristics of that product. So that's the kind of thing that we'll be offering. We have advertising on the site. That'll be a core piece of the picture. And we'll have products that we offer to landlords and property managers down the line. You know, candidly, we don't see the high-end premium large-scale property managers as a big part of our revenue model ever, really. You know, most of the product that we will offer is for the smaller mom-and-pop landlords. Um, we think the property management software folks and others serving the enterprise market do a great job. We're happy to be partnered with those folks, and we want to support them with data and software and services that help them take advantage of our industry-wide data source and resource. But we don't want to compete with them and do that thing that what they do is really hard. <laughs> and I'm really happy for them to do their thing and serve the large-scale industry really well. And in as much as we can be a good partner to them, we will aim to do that. But most of our economics will come from smaller folks. And, you know, if we can help drive down cost of marketing and drive up, you know, the uh, quality of service that the uh, large scale folks can bring to their residents, then, you know, it's a win. Of course, which kind of leads me to the next question, which you've kind of answered in, in, in a way, you know, obviously landlords have a love-hate relationship with listing sites and and what you're doing at Dwellsy to make that relationship better, which I think you've spoken to if you want to, you know, speak a little bit further on that. But maybe in future, anything more that you plan on doing, feel free to kind of add to that. Yeah, you know, we really want to make it easy. And really want to, you know, one of the things that I saw is how labor intensive it was to work with Craigslist and how frustrating it was to, you know, not be able to talk to anybody over there and not be able to, you know, everything just got ghosted. We don't know why. We don't know what happened. We don't know what we could do to fix it. You know, 
that kind of experience on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, huge friction and huge cost with the traditional ILSs. And we're aiming to take a middle road where it is entirely automated. You know, just plug your system in. The you know listings appear on an automated fashion. There's nothing you need to do to manage that. You know, the leads just come in. They're your highest quality leads. So you don't need to worry about managing that and dealing with any issues related to that. You know, it's funny. We had all these conversations in the beginning about ROI with people because we we're kind of breaking all the models because all of their ROI systems were showing up with Dwellsy in some form or fashion, breaking their model, either showing as infinite or zero, depending on how their model broke, because everything was free. Everything and was free, yep. <laughs> so, um, infinite so ROI, like, yeah. We don't know what to do with this. These Dwellsy leads are really weird, you know. And yeah, but, you know, the ROI is, is great because it's free. You know, but trying to be that true partner. You know, we don't call landlords clients. We don't call property managers clients. They're partners. We view ourselves as working in partnership with the property manager and the landlord to serve the renter. And so it's a little bit of a different relationship and a little bit of a different nuance there. But that's the goal is to build that partnership and work together to create a better functioning marketplace for the benefit of all. Yeah, that's great. Now, Obviously, these things don't come without challenges. So I'd love to know if you can share some of the biggest hurdles you've experienced as a founder of a listing site, specifically Dwellsy, and how you've kind of overcome them to get where you are now. Yeah. Well, you know, the most obvious one out of the gate, and I was joking about it earlier, is, you know, everyone thinks we're a little nuts over here. Because, you know, a new ILS, like, you got to be kidding me, right? What are we doing? And we made some very intentional choices out of the gate to make Dwellsy kind of look and feel like an ILS. Even though there's a lot of things that are different about what we're doing under the hood, we wanted it to feel familiar to everybody involved so that, you know, just it felt comfortable. And there's a lot of things about the way it works that are very similar. You know, you're still going to get good, high-quality leads. Renters are going to be able to search listings you know, the listing content is the same that people have always been able to provide to listing services previously. You know, there's a lot of things that are very similar, but getting that first traction was incredibly challenging to get people to, you know, work with a new ILS after all of the gyrations that the industry has gone through over the past couple of decades, you know, getting to that initial hurdle. You know, and frankly, COVID was a huge help for us you know, out of the ashes of so much trauma and so much challenge, there was a window that opened for about six months there where people were like, we really need to be willing to try some new things. And, you know, now it's such a challenge. Oh my God, the property managers who took on so much new technology during that period are now trying to digest it all. And my heart goes out to all of them because all of the work to digest all of that is happening right now. And wow, it's a lot. And we've tried to be the lowest maintenance piece of all that, but there was a period in which everybody was just clicking the button. It was great for us because we went from four or five million units on the platform during that period to, you know, nine, 10, and now we're up north of 13 million units listing with us now, which is amazing and wonderful. And I think we've hopefully made it a no brainer for people just to, to click the button and gotten past that point. I think we've got 36 of the top 50 property managers uh, and over 15,000 other professional property management organizations listing with us now. So, you know, getting through that was really the hardest part to date, but lots of other things, you know, lots of folks have tried to raise money for businesses like this. So raising money has not been, well, it's not been easy. It's not been easy. No, of course. No, it's not been easy because, you know, lots of people have tried to raise money for businesses like this, you know, as a result of, again, the gyrations of, businesses that look on the surface similar, 
you know, that's been an ongoing challenge. And, you know, delivering product, you know, the fact that we have trillions of data points that have to be delivered to consumers in a fraction of a second in order for them to have a good experience with a lean team, you know, that is a, you know, we're not putting people on Mars or anything really super complicated like that, but the technical lift involved in delivering the service is, is a big one. That's another interesting challenge that we've had to overcome. So where do you see Dwellsy in the next two to three years, given all that you've kind of said? Obviously, you've kind of doubled the amount of listings on Dwellsy over the last couple of years. So what's kind of the future projections for Dwellsy? Yeah, so we're on a, a massive growth trajectory right now. And, you know, the goal within the next two to three years is to have the overwhelming majority of listings on the platform. As I mentioned, got about a quarter of them today. So, you know, aiming to get, you know, never get to 100%, but we aim to get most of the way there in the next two to three years. And on the renter side, we aim to serve every renter in America. And, you know, I think within the next two to three years, that's within reach to have every renter in America finding their way to Dwellsy at some point within their search and, you know, being able to start to build those relationships with those renters so that we can be a resource to them throughout their renting life. Right. Now, just kind of second last question and more of a general question, but given your experience with marketers and property managers, is there anything you wish you saw more of? in multifamily marketing and leasing technology, maybe outside of, you know, listing rentals on listing sites? Or do you feel like there's something that we should be doing or multifamily marketers? And, you know, what more could we see? Or what improvements could be made? You know, it's a really broad question. There's all kinds of interesting things out there. And I think that one of the things that I think is really underappreciated, there's a lot of people lamenting the, the slow movement of technology and multifamily. And I actually... I have enormous appreciation for the slow movement of technology and multifamily. And there's a really good reason why prudent people move slowly in this space. It's people's homes, right? And you mess with people's homes at your peril. I remember being in a conference where somebody was dealing with the earliest stages of home automation technology, right? And this is a woman who is a cybersecurity investigator and her property management company switched out to a new keyless lock for her unit. And she and her friends cracked the lock within a week. And this is a woman whose life is at risk because of the work that she does. And now she has a new home that's insecure. And this is kind of nobody's fault in this situation. There's a bunch of people genuinely trying to do the right thing in this situation. I have home automation technology at my home and I love it. It's great. And I'm an advocate for it. It's wonderful. But, you know, in this situation, here's somebody whose life is at risk because somebody tried to do the right thing and they move you know, slower than a lot of other spaces, but still relatively quickly. And she perceived her life to be a danger as a result of this. And I think it's a great example of everybody trying to do the right thing and still ending up in a pickle because of the unique risks around people's homes. And so, you know, I think it's very easy when we talk about technology in this space to go to a place of everybody should move faster and we should have more technology. I'm not that guy. I think we should be really thoughtful about how we introduce technology that impacts other people in their lives, in their homes, and really allow them to lead us. So I think the question really is, what are renters pushing for? What do they want in their homes? And how can we as an industry you know, create systems that allow the renter-led implementation, if you will. 
you know, how do we create an environment in, in each individual renter's home where they can use the technology that they want to use? And that's, you know, the complexity of having different implementations across the 300 unit community is enormous. But how do we move towards that? And how can technology enable that so that every renter is comfortable in their own home? That I think is an interesting challenge. I think that'll be my poll quote for this episode, <laughs> because I think that that's definitely how we kind of need to think about it. We're as marketers, you know, we always want to think about automating things and being more convenient for us. But we really also have to consider the renter and, you know, who's actually going to be impacted by those automations and making things faster. Because, you know, my next question was really about where technology is headed for multifamily and like what your thoughts around chatbots and virtual touring and all that. And I mean, that's made it more convenient, I think. That's increased the convenience of, you know, getting things rented and signed leases faster and all of that. But maybe, you know, what you've kind of said is we also have to consider how it impacts the renter at the end of the day. And do you have any thoughts around kind of, you know, uses of chatbots, virtual touring, all of that, how you've seen that kind of grow and maybe kind of regress slightly over the last little while now that we're kind of, you know, not back to normal, but back to somewhat of in-person touring and all of that. Like, what are your thoughts around that and where that's kind of going in the space? I think chatbots are great. I think, you know, AI is great. I think creating optionality wherever we can is wonderful. You know, I was talking to a property manager the other day that's converting to a slightly different sales structure where they have leasing agents covering multiple properties and they have AI powered chatbot. I never, I get the terminology wrong all the time, but AI powered chatbots. I think they were using the Middle East product and, you know, they are able to have that process a lot of logistical conversations and the renter has an option to exit that process and talk to a live human and either do a self guided tour or tour with somebody who's not necessarily at that property all the time, but can be if the renter wants a guided tour. And I think that's a really nice model because that's really putting yourself in the renter's shoes and thinking about what the renter wants as opposed to saying, hey, at this property, this is how we do it. You know, whether you like it or not, this is how we do it, which is, you know, fine. And a lot of property managers have to do it that way because of their organizational structure or how they approach things. But if you have the operational you know, heft and capability to really think through the renter's mindset of what they want and be able to meet their needs where they are, regardless of the characteristic of that need. I think that's a great way to do it. Because a lot of people don't want to talk to a human unless they have to. <laughs> no. And I mean, I'm a millennial, but I know Gen Z's, whatever, they're on another level of millennials when it comes to kind of digital communication and, and really not wanting to, you know, take that step to meet someone if they really have to. I mean, I have that as well. So I can only imagine the future of renters feeling that that's kind of what they want. And I think having the flexibility and being able to provide that flexibility is really important to the leasing process and just providing the options and putting them on the table if you can, if your organization affords you that luxury to do that. <laughs> so Right. And I recognize a lot of organizational complexity involved in offering options. And that's not easy to do. And a lot of ownership groups, you know, even if the property managers want to be able to do that, a lot of ownership groups are like, eh, I don't know if we want to do that, right? That's fair. Well, Jonas, I mean, this has been a great conversation, but last but not least, if listeners are looking to connect with you, where can they find you online or even with Dwellsy, where can they go to get on Dwellsy if you're a landlord renter 
whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. com slash list with us. I mean, just go to dwellsy.com and yeah, it's easy to find there. If anyone wants to chat with me, I'm at uh, Jonas at dwellsy.com. Always happy to chat with folks. Um, so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, Jonas, thank you for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom with us and for taking the time to join me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And until next time, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.